Welcome to Fashion Forum, a podcast brought to you by the British Fashion Council. I'm Caroline Rush, Chief Executive. Today we bring you a series of conversations highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community, all of whom play a vital role in our industry's culture and reputation, promoting British creativity on a global scale. Hello, I'm Catherine Hayward, Fashion Director of Esquire UK, and I'm delighted to welcome as my guest on this episode, Hector Bellerin. Hector is a footballer pushing boundaries. Poached from his native Barcelona at the age of 16, he has since spent his entire senior career at Arsenal FC living in London. But besides being a precocious talent on the pitch, off pitch, he also lets his creative juices flow using the recent lockdown to improve his photography and drawing skills, but more of that later. When it comes to fashion, he made his runway debut at Virgil Abloh's Louis Vuitton show in Paris last June, but prior to this had already completed a diploma in marketing in order to co-found a successful agency with which he connects global brands with athletes for creative partnerships and campaigns. Hector is also outspoken on issues such as mental health, and he has invested in eco-friendly companies that share his passion for the environment, which he feels strongly about, having grown up surrounded by the sea and nature in Spain. Welcome, Hector. Hello, and thank you for having me, Catherine. Well, it's lovely to have you here. Um, and uh, where are you? I mean, we're recording this during uh, lockdown, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are you at the moment? Well, I'm in the outskirts of North London. Um, I moved to kind of like the countryside a couple of couple of months uh, before lockdown, and um, kind of like a blessing because I was uh, very close to the city, and you know, while I obviously couldn't leave the house and stuff. I've been able to, you know, enjoy a little garden and the weather's been lovely and just being able to be more around nature around here. So that's where I am. Where are you? Wonderful. I am in East London, so slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, we've managed to be completely working from home. So it's, um, as we've saying, it's pivoting and adapting. So I think yeah. that's the name of the game. Um, so straight on, let's crack on. Um, I suppose the most logical place to start is at the very beginning um, and where you grew up in Barcelona. And really it was to start off asking you what piqued your initial interest in fashion and clothes? So um, I come from, uh, well, two different towns in Barcelona. I moved uh, when I was eight to uh, this town called Calella, which is uh, around 40 miles north of the coast of Barcelona. So it's like a little fishes town. And um, that's where I grew up. And then I played for Barcelona since I was eight years old. Um, and then at 16, I came, I came to London and all my, um, teenage years and childhood in, in, in this town of, of Barcelona and in a country house that, uh, my, my grandparents had, um, just in the inside of Catalonia. Um, you know, as you said, they made me really explore and enjoy nature as, um, I'm able to do today. And um, in the meantime, my, my grandma and my mom had like a, like a small factory uh, where they made clothes. And as, 
even though while playing, while I was a kid, all I did was play football. And I only messed around the sewing machines every now and then till they told me off. Um, my interest in fashion as such didn't come until like later years, more when I came to London. But um, as, I, as I said, I was always um, around pieces of fabric, threads, um, needles, everything, you know. And uh, my, my sister used to play with a little sewing machine that she had um, at home. And when it was raining and I couldn't go outside, <laughs> I used to take it from her. So, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a great childhood in, in Spain. And then, you know, after playing for Barcelona eight years and at 16, um, being phoned by Arsenal and being asked to come and see the facilities and, you know, they made me an offer. And that was the time that I decided to, to change, um, my life completely really. And, um, it's been, nine years now since since I came to London and yeah I mean it, it's gone so fast it feels like it was yesterday but um, very very happy and very feeling very at home now where I am. Well that's good to hear in these troubled times. Um, on that subject going back to your teenage years mm-hmm. um, and this interest in in fashion which I suppose at that time is slightly more, it shouldn't be, but it's slightly more unusual for a boy to be uh, interested in clothes um, in a traditional environment. Um, Did this interest in fashion ever cause any bullying at school or did uh, did, did you encounter any bullying or prejudice as a teenager because of being different to other boys? Well, um, I was very lucky because um, playing for Barcelona in a small town as where I was, it was something very unusual. And like, um, I was very popular in school just due to that. And, um, you know, all the older kids wanted to play football with me. So I was used to hang out with like people older than me. So um, I never really encountered that and um i feel very lucky for that because i know like all the issues that that can can create even later on in life and but i always wanted to dress cool or what i thought it was cool for a school you know and um for example when i was really young my dad um uh used to work um selling uh insurances and stuff so he used to wear a suit and tie every day and I told my mom that I wanted to wear a suit and tie to school. <laughs> I must have been like four or five years old. And um, I had like a little Mickey Mouse uh, tie and I wanted to wear that every day. So, you know, since, since I was very young, it was something that kind of like mattered to me, you know, even like subconsciously. And then growing older, I went through like different phases of my life of style from like I got really into hip-hop I got really into skating and all these things and watching videos on YouTube and in that age that must have been like I don't know 2005 2006 um really influenced the the clothes that I wanted to wear and stuff what did you wear when you were into hip-hop so in in those times I used to tell my mom um, my mom used to buy most of my clothes from like um little like markets that they used to be like in my hometown used to be every Wednesday and um, I used to just tell her that I just wanted it to not be my size, to be like two, three sizes bigger, you know? So I used to go with like, turn I was in my trousers, I used to be very loose. I used to wear very baggy hoodies. Um, I had these headphones 
that I actually got from an airplane, but it was the only headphones that I had that they were overhead. And I put my cap back and that's how I used to go to school. And for some kids, um, that was cool because hip hop was kind of like starting to get into Spain because Spain, um, you know, they didn't have like this culture to listen to to like international artists. It was more like flamenco music and Latin music and stuff. So a lot of people found it cool. So many people didn't understand it, but because I used to play my football and stuff, I didn't really care. It was like kind of people would still respect me didn't matter what I wore and stuff. But yeah, I went through loads of like um, different phases and I look back at the pictures and some of them are really, really, really funny. (laughs) Did you ever encounter any um, prejudice once you'd got a little bit older and you you kind of got more confident with how you were looking? Not really before I reached London um, because also there was um a time before i came which i must have been like 14 15 years old um clothes didn't really matter to me then i had like like a gray like not gray but like this time in which like i was just like focused on other things and um i didn't even really use to like buy many clothes it was just like whatever i had it it wasn't a like when i was younger that i just wanted to look cool all the time you know and i used to wear a lot of tracksuits and stuff um, but m- m- the prejudice started more when, um, I kind of got to London and I experienced the city and how everyone was so open-minded about what they wore in comparison to like where I was from. And then me taking this as inspiration and started wearing what I liked and not what everyone else was wearing. Then, yeah, when I walked into the first team dressing room, for example, I looked very different to like the older players and stuff. So I used to get lots of stick. Um, but it's completely changed nowadays. I mean, I still get um, banter thrown at me for what I wear and stuff. But also I get messages from players asking me like, yo, I don't know what shoes I should get. And can you tell me which ones or how does this go with these shoes and things like that, you know? So even though they know I'm different and I'm not, in the same wave that they are, they, I guess they respect, um, you know, cause they know I'm into it and they know like, um, yeah, I just have like a different point of view maybe. And, um, yeah, it's kind of evolved into, into now it's not like the banter is just because they kind of have to, you know, that they see me, they, comparing me to them, to some of them is so different that they just have to do it. So, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. Uh, also, like when you're a teenager and stuff, um, you know, sometimes you're trying to find who you are, etc. Um, but now I really know who I am and, and I don't really care, really. You know? So you are the locker room stylist? Well, in some ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many of them that don't even ask me because they wouldn't really understand. But some of them, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where, now, you, we've just come out of a very tricky two months, um, yeah. especially for the the football fraternity and right at the beginning of lockdown I know the football association and footballers in general were quite heavily criticized Mm -hmm. for huge salaries and people kind of struggling and I know there was a lot of pressure on all of you to you know visibly show how much you were supporting people who are more in need. Um, From your point of view, um, you know, from the other side, how did you all cope with that? How did you cope with that? How did your teammates cope with it? 
Well, it was, it was very frustrating the way that everything happened because um, as footballers and as Arsenal Football Club, you know, every team must be different. But we've, we, we're a club and we're a team that everyone is really responsible with their communities and always willing to give. And, you know, we always knew that since the start that um, if the club was in trouble and they were going to have to like start firing people in the club or anything, the players we would be the first ones to step in and make sure that that stopped. The way in which it was made um, by Matt Hancock saying um, that we get a lot of money and that we should get a pay cut. First of all, the basis of the argument um, contradicts itself because we get taxed 50% every month and that money goes to the government and they can choose to get that to the NHS. And if you cut in our, our salary, you cut in the money that we're giving to the government. You know, So it didn't make sense from the start. And it just felt like it was a way to get people to look the other way because of how bad um, the government was managing the pandemic from day one. And um, footballers are always um, the people that everyone knows that get a lot of money. And um, it's just an easy target because there's people in the entertainment industry, people in the financial industry, or even fashion, that some of them make way more money than us, but they're not being called out. You know, it's just very, very easy targets and a very cheap way of like um, giving the wrong message to to people. But I thought that also got us footballers, to, um, us footballers together and all the captains from the Premier League, we got together, we started a group chat and we started, you know, throwing ideas as to like what we really should do. And we started this campaign called Players Together in which like every single player of the Premier League donated. Uh, monitor was the NHS because they're the people that really needed it. And um, as players, personally, we've been doing stuff. I've been doing stuff uh, uh, in Spain with the Red Cross. Um, Mustafi had been given, I think, 100,000 meals um, to people in in East London. And, you know, everyone was doing stuff for their community. And, um, yeah, it just it just felt like a very cheap shot. Um, us and the way it was it was dealt with but um, you know almost every team or us personally we decided to to take money of our salaries because we wanted everyone at the club to to be safe uh, all physios people that work in the offices um, and you know that kind of made us come together as a family and everyone in the club now feels safe um, that you know they're going to still be paid even though they're working from home and stuff and that makes us really happy as a team. Mm. You cope with it really well. I was, I was impressed, bearing in mind the pressures that you were all under. Yeah. Um, how, how have you else have you been coping during lockdown? I know it's been difficult for everyone and having to um, readdress how they work and how they train. Yeah. So, and I mentioned earlier on that you had been, um, well, you have hobbies, other hobbies, <laughs> yeah. and you've been seen with your camera. You've mm-hmm. been. Um, posting images of your drawing and I also wanted to ask you this it's a three-pronged attack here about your veganism so what have you been cooking during lockdown so it's kind of your lock time lockdown pastimes yeah so lockdown has been um, a bit of a roller coaster for me it's been um, enjoy very enjoyable at times weather's been really good in London as well so (laughs) it was good for a change um, also, I've had like very hard days um, because also I've been uh, by myself this whole time. 
Um, and now in the past few weeks with all the stuff that has been happening as well with the protests and stuff, it's just been like really like a tough time for like society as a whole. And I've really felt the weight of it. Um, but then, you know, I've, I consider myself really lucky that um, football is not the only pillar in my life. And I have, as you say, other hobbies and a lot of other things that bring me a lot of joy and um, that make me not just cope with a quarantine, but actually find a positive side to it and um, even thrive in some ways. Because it's true that loads of footballers completely lost their identity as soon as you start playing, because that's all that they have in their lives and that and their families. And once you take that away from them, it's like, what do I do? Like, I haven't been in this situation before, right? So um, I was very lucky that it didn't happen to me. And as you said, um, I picked up a camera like a year ago and I really started taking really bad pictures at the beginning. <laughs> and yeah, it's just been my time to like, you know, explore nature around where I live now and take pictures of it. And I've been kind of like documenting my quarantine and, you know, just just finding other like creative ways to like express myself. Wow, I kind of do that on the pitch or I kind of do that outside. And um, as you said, drawing is something that I've done since I was very little and I picked up when I got injured and um yeah it's something that i really enjoy all these all these things that kind of processes that you can just immerse yourself and it feels like time doesn't is still you know and then you realize it's been like three hours and you know i, I really enjoy doing all these kind of things and cooking has been one of them as well in some ways i'm not the best cook i feel like i have like three dishes in my locker and that's it <laughs> but those three dishes have been rinsed throughout quarantine but um yeah, as you said, like being vegan as well, is a, it was also a bit of a challenge at the beginning, but it's been three years for me now. But I've been also lucky enough that I have people helping me with food because, um, you know, I've never been the best cook. So I always, I've always needed a bit of help. So um, I haven't had to cook that much, but it's, you know, it, it's the time to do it. And I've enjoyed it more than I did before. And um, yeah, just being at home, kind of um, having to do you know, all the chores in the house because I don't live with anyone anymore. So it's kind of, you know, putting washing machines and cleaning the dishes and all this stuff that before I never used to do. I've really enjoyed doing it. And I found like kind of a routine to my day by doing all those things. And um, yeah, as I say, I'm really enjoying just being at home due to all these things I, I do around the house as well. Going back to your veganism, mm -hmm. Has that helped you with your hamstring injury and your your general health, obviously? But how do you how do you find that has helped with you know rehabilitation? Yeah, I mean, um, I I went vegan like two years before I got injured, and during those two years, I barely had any injuries at all, um, and even old injuries that I had. I felt that they were getting much better because I had problems with my ankles and due to inflammation after games and stuff. And that inflammation was kind of gone. And my recovery in between games was much better. So it did help me straight away. And then through the rehab of the injury, it's very difficult to say because, um, first of all, every single surgery, your body naturally just reacts in completely different ways from like different player to player. And um, we have so many other different techniques, like for me to like doing meditation or doing yoga and stuff like that, that can also help your recovery. But it's so hard to say what was 
helping you get better, you know, because we also have like, obviously really good treatment at the club and, um, you know, all the gym sessions that we do to strengthen our leg after we get injured, all these things. So it's very hard to say, but it's been something that I've enjoyed a lot since I started. And now it's not something that I just do for health. Um, I feel like my consciousness kind of expanded when I started doing it and like notice like animal welfare or like even the environment there are things that are present in my mind when I choose to be vegan so it kind of like complements each other and it makes me feel better and it makes me um, you know subconsciously just feel better that I'm doing something something right so uh, yeah it, it, it's helped my my health i feel um but it's also helping me helping my mind so as we now go into a new normal um we're about to experiment with a virtual online fashion week experience and i'm going to ask you about two subjects which i know that are very close to your heart diversity and sustainability in fashion I know that this morning um, you posted your podcast with Deandre Yedlin, who is the American player, uh, Premier League player for Newcastle. And you were talking about the troubles in America and the protests um, that have spread globally. And these are subjects close to your heart. How can we help young entrepreneurs, young fashion businesses, as we go into a, an odd virtual reality for the next six months how do you feel that we are going to be able to do that well i think first of all it's, it's great that um the statement that the bfc and the cfda put together that uh, fashion weeks uh, and the fashion calendar uh need to be changed for the good i know there's been so many other designers and like um rewiring fashion campaign and all of this stuff i think all of that is needed and uh, also the fact that um, fashion calendars are going to change in such a way and we're going to be open to like different ways of showing clothes I think that's gonna also hopefully help all these young entrepreneurs and like younger brands because you know that the younger generation also being more tech savvy being able to like do like different virtual um, runways or like shows uh, I think it's something where we can you know young people can show more their creativity and you know, sometimes it's difficult to get um, a slot in the in fashion week and it can be expensive and there's so many requirements that, that, that you need to to be able to to get in there that, you know, it's going to give people with like smaller resources a voice and a chance to be to be shown as well and, and, and to be seen by by people. And um, it's the only way that I feel the industry can go forward without damaging itself, without damaging the planet and also i feel like damaging his creativity uh, and all the stuff because like the differences between you know when the clothes are shown and when the clothes are actually bought uh you know gives you know so many other like fast fashion brands time to copy etc and it's like there's so many things that um i feel they can be done better and i feel one of the things that this pandemic has given us is just the chance to like reflect on what we're doing and having the time to actually put plans in place to to do things better and make it last longer and um as you say also help smaller businesses and stuff and when it comes to diversity i feel like 
fashion is diversity in within itself because as as we say is somehow a representation of society and with it you also have the racism in it you know but um if you see like the the eight finalists that um won the lvmh prize it's just full diversity in that group of eight people you know and i think it's so beautiful to see how all these people from different backgrounds bring something so different and and so great at the at the same time and um i still feel there's um bigger houses that are not doing enough um and in this time of protest now you can see how many people have not shied away from from out in them and like proposing them changes you know because if you see i don't know like Hedis Liman in Celine and like the, the the use of like the cast of like black people in their shows and and when you go through the feed you know we all we all know kind of um the style that that Hedy has but still like we live in a different world now and we need to evolve and if big houses like them cannot propose changes it's very difficult for for not just society to evolve but for fashion to to do so and in the other side people like Virgil that um you know have done completely the opposite like they've embraced their culture and like brought it into the big stage and they've done that since the first show with the way they do clothes um with their styles and i think it's you know people like telfar or bianca saunders where you know they're they're using their platform or like kirby i think kirby is a great example because even with the the COVID-19 response was one of the best I've seen, you know, how he opened all his studio. And, you know, it's, it's a great example that that is the right way that we should do things. And I feel, um, you know, hopefully this also like this virtual fashion week and all these changes in, in the calendar can help people like them just keep striving forward. And also the, the protests that are going on right now, they should, have an effect in in the fashion industry because also a few um, people from the fashion industry, very big people, have been um, you know have suffered uh, things against them because not because of racism but because of they don't even know that they're being racist you know by the post of the things they say because it's something that it comes back for us from so long that sometimes we don't even realize and fashion I think is a great way to protest and and to show change and 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 to push the borders even further how can uh fashion and football work together do you think in helping towards well i suppose as you said it's unconscious bias so there may everyone has unconscious bias so it's how to help that side of things and how was your experience modeling for Virgil and (laughs) well I think for fashion and for football to work together I think it's something that is being tried um so many times but um there hasn't been like for me like a big cultural moment that has united them both yet and I think there's such big industries and so connected through culture that it will be so good if if you know if there was more cross collaborations in in between them and you know I, I tried to do it myself with like the four to four stuff and we created something really cool but it's still you can see like how there's so many differences that people understand different things from what is football for one and what is fashion for the other etc 
But what I think is like they, vo- they both have a massive voice and a massive platform to educate people and to promote change. And that is something that um, not just us as individuals we need to do, but clubs and fashion houses and brands that everyone needs to embrace and, and push forward. And um, working for Virgil was such an experience because first of all, I'm, I'm 5'10", so how was I ever gonna <laughs> model on a runway, right? Um, but it was in bright pink. Yeah, in bright pink as well, which I thought that was really cool because I, I thought people in the football in the football industry are really gonna talk about this. So going bright pink is like even better, right? They're gonna talk even more. And um, yeah, it was it was great because I was injured at the time, and um, even though I was doing my rehab, um, I hadn't played in a while, and I kind of missed the little, you know, the um, the nervousness that go into a game or like just the rush that playing gives you. And when I, when I got the call to, um, to do it, I was like, it's the right time and the right place. Like showing in men's Paris fashion week for Virgil is like the show that everyone is looking at. Um, cause I had been offered to walk before, but I just never thought it was like the right moment. And, um, yeah, everything happened quickly. I was on holiday and I got a plane to Paris, uh, on that morning. Um, you know, I tried some clothes on that decided that bright pink was my color, which I agree. <laughs> it looked cool. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just great. I would say that it was like very surreal, you know, like it was a, um, a great uh, venue that how they did everything and everyone was there. The team um, behind Virgil worked great. Uh, they made everything so easy because I was nervous. I thought I was going to <laughs> I was going to fall after three steps or something as if I forgot how to walk. I've walked all my life, but on that day, I've forgotten how to. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. And um, yeah, just for because of the cultural moment that it was, um, as I say, because of Virgil doing that. But, um, you know, there hasn't been many football players that have done that either. And I, the fact that my injury also gave me the opportunity to do that, um, yeah, it was it was a very positive thing that happened, and I was I was very happy to do so. Yeah. And how did you meet Guillermo from Forty Four and Fairfax? How did that come about? Because I know you're working on an Adidas project with him. Yeah, so me and Guillermo, um, we had been we know we know so many people. We have so many friends in common, and they all used to talk to him as if I knew him. And I was like, you know what? I've never met Guillermo. And they're like, what? You have to meet him. And um, a friend put us in, in contact through Instagram and then he came to London to watch an Arsenal game, actually, that he got invited to. And um, we linked up in, in East London um, the day after. And then since then, it was just like, it just, it just clicked. We're like, yo, we need to do something together one day. I don't know what it's going to be, but we need to do something together. Because he loves football, but his way to football was fashion. And for me, it was a bit the other way around. But we have so many, you know, our planet's like, clash so like so clear to us so um then one day um the arsenal formal wear partnership was open because um they had been negotiating with a couple of brands but um due to like financial things or or because they weren't in time to deliver the goods or whatever um they couldn't do it and then I just said to my friend, like, why don't we do this? Like, let me speak to Guillermo. Um, I'm sure that he'll be on board with it. Let's just 
see if we can make it in time in terms of like financially and then we just get it going and then when i called guillermo he was like what, what, what? yes yes like straight away he didn't even think about numbers or anything he's like yes we have to do this it doesn't matter just say yes we'll find a way so i was like cool that was that was the attitude that i just needed and that was the answer that i knew he was going to give me and um because at the same time i was still injured then um I could have the time to actually go to Milan with him, um, get the whole designing process done together in a couple of days, uh, go to the factories, choose the fabric, the fits, everything. And we did everything together in like the pros in, in the space of like two months. And um, yeah, we, it was just a great experience because it was for him to be able to be like a partner of Arsenal Football Club, you know, when he is someone that he was looking up to Arsenal since he was really young, playing football in like Guatemala or in LA. And, and it was just great that um, we could make it happen. And also, you know, the, usually the brands that sponsor teams are more like, you know, we had Lanvin at some point, we had Duchamp, and now we had 4 to 4 you know, um, a, a streetwear brand from LA, but that they have so much football in it and it just made so much sense. And everyone was so happy with it, either at the club or people from 4 to 4 and um yeah it was a great a great moment for for both of us you know because i think when you do something yourself is great but when you meet two people together and you know something so cool comes out the process is like 10 times better so yeah you are a match made in heaven the two of you we were we were we are we still are man we it's so good because we're such good friends now um after that like obviously we we were close before but after this we like call each other every week like yo we need to do this and yeah it's, it's sure. great great Old married couple. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you been watching the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix? I have to say that I'm a bit of a rebel with these things. Everyone <laughs> is telling me to watch it. And I'm like, listen, you guys are, are, are telling me the whole story. <laughs> but um, um, I know, like when I was really young, I used to read a lot of like um, sporting books and stuff. And I read a lot about Phil Jackson and, and you know how how he used to all his methods and stuff. So um, yeah, I'm just waiting a bit for the hype to die down a little bit, and then and then I'll proper like dive into it. I think. <laughs> and then what? Well, the reason I ask is I, I I fell in love with the the idea of the teamwork part, and I thought he was quite charismatic, and I thought it was very modern back in the mid to late '90s that he was using. Buddhism, meditation, breathing techniques, all of those skills which we take for granted now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, now that you also have a new head coach in Mikel Arteta, do, are there any similarities, differences? How does um, the way of leading a, a sports team differ from then, or does it? Well, I think in, in many ways they can be very similar. Um, it's true that we haven't all sat in a room in silence and done breathing techniques. But uh, to be fair, Arsenal, we've been doing uh, non-compulsory yoga for like the past 10 years. Uh, it's something that's also been at the club. Um, I've been doing it. Now we do Zoom yoga like twice a week. All the young gen- generations are coming now and like they're enjoying it a lot. So it's really cool. And it's also our time to kind of like just breathe as well. And, you know, especially when you have so many games a week. Um, but I think that the similarities is just like how 
um, bring in such different techniques or ideas because because Mikko's ideas are so different to the ones that we've had before and how he's convinced the whole team that this is the way forward and everyone is like just pushing in the same direction and 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 you know when you sometimes that's like the the difficult thing for a coach you know to have 25 players or in different moments of their careers in different stages with the club with the you know issues at home or whatever and you have to make these 25 men believe that your ideas are the ones that are going to put you up here you have to be very clear with with your ideas because um that's how you have the whole dressing room on board because usually with this in teams like this sometimes when there's one player that is not on board then that can affect the whole team so um i think that's the thing that he's done better and uh, the whole family culture in the club that everyone is the same doesn't matter if you're a masseuse or you're the first player in the team it, it doesn't matter. There's there's such a level of respect for each other now that I feel wasn't at the club before. And, um, you know, if you want to be a successful team, it's important that people at every single level um, in the pyramid are following the same, you know, the same goal. Um, I want to know what your fashion rules are and the reason I ask that is because I know that you are modeling in the new reissue ad campaign yeah. of the bruised banana awake it from the early 90s yeah. um the reason I ask that is because I noticed in the video that you have tucked your shirt in mm, yeah <laughs> so um and it's the tuck it's the famous tuck in do you tuck in leave it out um and i just wanted to know that what your style rules are when it comes to things like that i know you often wear white socks not yeah. as when you're playing football but the white sock with uh, an outfit that you would go out in so it's the tuck the white sock the tattoo so i wanted to know what your style rules are around tucking <laughs> well it was it was so funny that day because usually when these things happen you know they have stylists and each player has like a rail with options and stuff and um i just said like i'm i'm so sorry but with these things i'm very like i just want to wear it how i wear it so i put my own jeans that i brought that day and everyone had i was like i just want to put my belt and tuck it in because that's how i would wear it if i was going to watch a game you know and I remember they didn't have any shoes that I liked then. So in the actual video, I'm in socks. <laughs> I'm not wearing any shoes in the video. And they were so mad at me. But I was like, you know, I'm so picky with these things. I can't, I can't. You know, you want me in there, you know, you have to accept that's, that's what I am. So, but yeah, the tuck has been something that I, I've been a big fan in, in, in this past year. It's been like um, white shirt tuck team um, and yeah, just loose jeans, you know. Um, I would say, because it was so funny, because I started watching Friends through quarantine, and it's just basically Chandler Bing in season one, season two. That's that's my my style, God, and <laughs> that um, yeah, it's it's something that because loose trousers have given me so much comfort. You know, there's there's nothing better than that. So um, yeah, I really really enjoyed that. You know, trend of style and. Yeah, with like some rugby polos and just like, yeah, little cardigans, you know, like I'm wearing now. Big fan of it. Because I'm just also trying to um, 
buy less. I mean, before quarantine, I hadn't shopped in like four months um, due to the whole sustainability issue and trying to live more conscious. During quarantine, I shopped, but with the mindset of like wanting to help people um, that were struggling at that time or like um, small shops that just needed help and stuff. Um, so I was just trying to buy clothes that I know they're going to last me for longer and um, that I can just play around with them easier. And that is kind of, you know, a pair of trousers like that. It, it's always going to fit you because it's three sizes bigger than you, <laughs> you know? So um, that's kind of the way I was looking at it and it really worked for me and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Just, and I feel that's how I'm going to, how I'm going to do it for a while. I mean, now in quarantine, I don't really get out and I don't really, apart from going to the grocery store, but um, I feel like that's also the time that you, like I've never tried to look so good to go to a grocery store. <laughs> but it's like, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Because even to go to training now, because we kind of use the dressing room, we have to be changed from home. So we go with the training kit from home. So you don't even have that, that opportunity. So yeah, the, the, the grocery you- store has become the runway now. <laughs> Maybe we should suggest that to Caroline Rush. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That'd be a cool concept. Yeah. <laughs> and hair? Did you completely shave your hair off for the lockdown? Yeah, I, cut? It, it was. It was something I wanted to do before, but I actually couldn't do it because I had done a photo shoot that was gonna come out in like June, July, and um, you know they would tell me, please, if it'd be cool if you kept the same hair, so it doesn't look like you've done it right. Um, but I was one day training here in the garden and I was like, oh, this is so annoying. You cannot get a, a barber, you know, to trim your hair or anything. And I saw my clippers and I felt like they were looking at me saying like, I dare you to do it. And I did it and I was very happy with the outcome and I feel like I'm just going to keep it like that for a while now. It looks good. Thank you. I can verify. Um, <laughs> finally, um, for London Fashion Week, do you have any advice for young fashion businesses because I know you are um or you've set up your marketing Mm -hmm. business to liaise with fashion businesses but do you have any advice for young ones people are just starting off well I think um my advice now is to whatever way you're plan out your your business to be make sure that it can be not 100% sustainable because it's really hard to do that nowadays in like which the ways that the whole system is made but just set up in a way that you know it can be done like that for the for the long run you know that it can be sustaining itself um for changes because now most fashion brands are not run like that and i think it's important that um you know, when you when you start as a brand, usually money is a big issue and, you know, you need to try and scrap with what you have. But um, I think taking maybe a slower approach and uh, focusing more in, like, the actual craft of making clothes um, and the wearability throughout the years. And I think it's something that people are going to cling on to more because, like, now, obviously... Um, secondhand clothes market has boomed in the past year and it's going to do even more so in the future. I had that in probably like 2022 or 2023. It's meant to overtake like actual actual new clothes. So I just feel like looking at that and I mean, I, I'm i such a big fan of Priya Valualia because of the stuff that mm. she does. And Me too. 
it is so good and um and you know it's by using all scraps and and, and making your stamp with like old clothes and it's it's such a cool way into you know um getting waste that otherwise is gonna go to landfill and, and, and make it into beautiful clothes that uh you know they are at such a level of craft and like you see those clothes and, and the way they're made is it's beautiful. So I think looking at ways of doing that, um, I think is really, really important nowadays. Fantastic. Well, Hector Bellerin, on that note, I'm awarding you the golden boot for fashion trailblazer. (laughs) Thank you you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was really good fun. And I hope to see you very soon and good luck with your virtual training. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week. 